Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. If you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor. That includes diets, exercise, medications, and surgery. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and and consult consult your doctors. Have you heard of ProCare or just have you been living under a rock? ProCare is the very first bariatric multivitamin to develop a one-a-day vitamin. That's right. You heard it correctly. One-a-day. And they also have delicious dark chocolate calciums that are available during the winter months. That's right. So go to ProCareNow.com, get your calcium chews, get your multivitamin, and use OSLP for a discount. What is Sequence? Well, Sequence is an at-home weight loss program. All you have to do is take the quiz, meet your clinician, get your prescription, and you're already on the way to a healthier you. I know when I felt hopeless with my regain, I joined right away. And I saw great results with Kel, so guess what? I joined. So go over to joinsequence.com right now, use OSLP, and you're gonna get a discount. Are you feeling a little sluggish? Little lack of protein? Little lack of caffeine? Well, we got the fix for that. That's right. Dive Bar Nutrition has the best protein bars. They have caffeine, protein, and they taste delicious. So head on over to divebarnutrition.com and use code OSLP at checkout. Welcome back, OSLP family. Welcome, welcome. welcome. That was weird. You don't normally do that. I wanted to throw you off. Do your part. You are listening to Our Sleeve Life Podcast, and this is Kelly. This is Mel. And uh, so, website. Website. We have a website, if you don't know. We have a website. Yeah, we do. We've had it for a couple years now. Yes. It's going strong. It is going very strong. And uh, we just revamped, uh, rebranded, if you like certain things on our website. So, go check it out. If you are not signed up for our newsletters, please go do that now. We will wait. And it's on OurSleeveLifePodcast.com. If you couldn't guess. Yes, if you couldn't guess. But that is what the website is. Yes. We have merch on there. We have, like, ways to become a patron on there. We might have some uh, digital things coming to our website very soon that I've designed. Um, It might already be up there. So go search around in the digital digital world. That's right. That's right. And uh, I love how we're like, okay, we love everybody, but we have been on for like two episodes before this. <laughs> so if I'm stuttering That's or what? not sure what I'm saying. That is why. So there is a button on our website and yes. it says become a patron. Now, mm-hmm. this is a way that you guys can support your girls because mm-hmm. it does cost money to produce a podcast. It, it's surprising. Who knew? Like, yes, we didn't realize it, did. it too. Like, yeah, it we were like, oh, there's, money. there's fees in here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so to help us out, go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP. Mm-hmm. Pick one of the tiers. Our favorite tier really is the $10 tier because you get everything. Everything. You basically, yeah. you get the episodes before they even come out. Mm-hmm. You get the video episode before all YouTube gets mm-hmm. to see it. You get a That's What She Said corner once a month mm-hmm. from Kelly and Mel. And you even get a monthly meeting, a Patreon meeting with us where we get to hang out with you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys get to come on, ask questions, go over any like NSVs, struggles. And we have our support group. Yes, and our support group is one of a kind. It is. Because it is not like those normal Facebook groups that are very scary, let's be honest. They are terrifying. They can be very terrifying. Um, This is not that. This is a very supporting, uplifting, uh, positive place to be. Now, not to say that you can't share your struggles there also, but we very much stay within the support 
group row. Oh, 100%. Lane. That's, That's right. That's the word. I was going to say, like, they were there for us when we go through our struggles. Kelly's had regain. I've had regain. We both have gone. Or I'm still going through a divorce. She's gone through a divorce. Divorced, thank God. So they are, are so really our support. Yes. And yeah. we support them, too. And it's just a really good feeling. It really and, is. And there's almost 300 people. We got men and women. We got ages from, like, 24 up to in the 60s. 70s. 70s maybe 80s. 80s. I don't, we don't know. know anymore. Yeah. But, we want you guys to be a part of it because it's such a welcoming place. Yes. So, and so the free way to support there us. There is a free way. There is a free way. Always. Um, go on to YouTube. It is preloaded on your phone. You have no excuse. No excuses. And you need to click that. Put in Our Sleeve Life Podcast. That's right. We're the only ones. We're the only ones. Click the bell. Click the, the subscribe button so that you're notified when future videos like this one drop because we have a very cool person on here. We do. A, Actually, another person we met at retreat. Yeah, because we just met so many amazing we people. Did. Um, so we want to welcome on Kitty. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Onto the podcast. Sorry, I was delayed on that one. I don't know what happened. Oh my god! That got was you. I got you. I got you. I'll snap into so it. So, Kitty, tell them why you're so special. Well, I'm special because my name is Kitty, and that's just spectacular <laughs> and a nice. unique name. And it's like my actual name, right? It's not like some fake name I just made up. <laughs> I love it. I love but it. But I'm also special because I had VSG yes. uh, in 2016, and I was informed at retreat that that makes me an OG. It is. Was, yep. Yep. What? I did not realize that that is, I have achieved that, that pinnacle. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that, but I am also a licensed clinical social worker and I am in private practice. I also own my own business, um, in Texas. Um, so I see eating disorder clients and, um, trauma clients, addiction, recovery, things like that. Uh, And I see a lot of bariatric patients And so I just wanted to come on and talk a little bit about my story and kind of the work that I do. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to learn a little bit about it at retreat. And that's one of the things that we loved was the fact that you are, you, you've been where we are. Yeah. You're a therapist that's been where we're at. And that is like really hard to find. It is. So thank you for giving back. And I know I want to know when did your like weight struggle start? Because mine was like basically since I was a baby. So, oh yeah, you know, mine started, um, I was probably 21 and I was pregnant with my first kiddo and at the same time, my thyroid decided to stop functioning, Mm. Uh, but I didn't know that. And so I just, my weight with that pregnancy just ballooned. Right. And I was like, Whoa, what is happening here? Right. It scared me a little bit. And, um, you know, I had her, my oldest, and who is going to be 30 next year, which I can't believe that I'm old enough to have a 30-year-old kid. Wow. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, So so she, um, you know, I had her and the weight stayed and didn't go anywhere. Mm. And, you know, that really started um, kind of this 
journey of being in the medical community um, because I started having other health issues. And then, you know, doctors are like, well, if you would just diet and exercise. And I'm like, I'm literally starving myself, right? Yeah. I know I'm preaching to the choir, which is part of why I wanted to talk about this so much um, in in this space. And, you know, I'm still where y'all are at, right? I've had regain. I've had issues. I still have health issues, right? And so, um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. Um, Yeah, she, so I started gaining weight in my 20s and it just kept going and going and going and um, really no answers, Yeah, you know? Well, yeah, like we actually hear that one all the time where like you go in even for like a broken leg and they'll tell you, you need to lose weight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's healthy. That's healthy right there, Mel. It's getting better. I promise. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, but they don't really give you any clear answers. It's not like they listen when you say I am eating like I'm not really eating anything. They're just like, oh, well, let me give you get you to this like weight loss clinic and they'll handle it from there. Or, you know, it's never like any answers. You're just kind of like sent out of the office with this like guilt that I've gained weight. Yep. And shame, yeah. right? And so what I actually tell my clients now is when they hear that from their doctors is tell them, ask, ask your doctor, what would they do if you were skinny? Ooh, I haven't heard that one yet. What would you tell me if I was thin? Right. What test would you run if I had a normal BMI? Yep. I mm-hmm. like it because yep. that is so warranted. Because they do, there is discrimination against like bigger or obese people. We know it. We've been there. We felt it. Mm -hmm. And I'm literally seeing TikTok videos and Instagram reels all the time about this. It seems like there's more happening now than ever with this. And I just don't understand it. It's very frustrating. Yeah. And it's really shaming. And the reality is that, you know, um, the mental health support, I mean, I had, I had my surgery before the pandemic, right? And so when I had surgery, my surgery center was having like monthly, at least Mm -hmm. in-person support groups. Mm. Um, And they're not even doing that anymore. You know, I mean, yeah, it's pretty scary. I can't speak for other states, but in Texas, like the mental health support related to bariatric surgery is like, non-existent, which is what I, I, you guys are talking about your thing on Patreon. I was like, sign me up. Yeah, like, yeah. Gonna come join, come join <laughs> us. We love yeah, you. Come yeah. Join us. Community is one of the best support that you can get. Yeah. If you can't get a therapist, you better be in this fucking community all in because yep. it all is in. rough. Mm-hmm. It's rough. Yeah. Well, you know, I used to, I had a really great grad school professor that said, um, you know, kind of back in the day that said, you know, people were healing from their trauma before they were therapists. And that's because they had community, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we can have more community, and that's part of me giving back and being on here and all of that is because mm-hmm. community matters. Representation it matters. It, it does. does. And the hard thing is, is that the pandemic also created a lot of trauma for a lot of people. Oh, hell yeah, it did. And oh, so the fact that there's no longer in-person support groups, even at your bariatric center, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Like you guys better be doing a zoom call then. Yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, it has to be something. Yeah. 
But a lot of times too, right? I mean, even when I would attend those things or things that I've attended since then, you know, it's like a dietitian coming in and saying, get your protein. Like, it's like stuff that's just like, come on. We're like, most of us are so far past yeah. that. I know how to eat. I knew how to eat when I was overweight. I knew how, I was dieting for like a decade at least yeah. before I had bariatric surgery. I don't need somebody to tell me again. Yeah. Portion. Yeah. That's why I like our Zoom meetings because we literally pick a topic. So like last month it was snacking. How can we get a hold of our snacking, you know? And we all just people raise their hands. Yep, just round they table. answer. We actually learned something pretty cool that like blew me and Mel's minds is somebody that's in our uh, support group. She is a, she's also a therapist. She's a right? therapist. Yeah. We have a few therapists, a, a, a lot of nurses. Yeah. A lot of nurses. I love the And nurses, she yeah. goes, people are typically eating and snacking at the time that their trauma happened. So if mm-hmm. a lot of your trauma happened in the evening, you're more apt to snack in the in, in the, the evening, evening because you're trying to soothe yourself through that time that it was very traumatic. And me and Mel were just like looked at each other and we're like, ah, shit. Yeah, well, now we know. Now we know because yeah. it yeah. blew our mind because I was like, yep, that happens at yep. nighttime. Yep. 100%. Mm-hmm. The other thing we do is we eat to avoid going to bed. Oh, yeah. I've watched my ex do that a lot. It drove me mm-hmm. fucking bonkers. Go to sleep. <laughs> Go to sleep. Go to fucking sleep. Go to sleep. It's two in the morning. I don't. I should not be hearing you eat in my ear. Go. Don't to miss bed. that. Just saying. Go to bed. Go I to love bed. it. So, yeah. what? Um. What was just, your why? I'm, I'm done. I'm done. You just take okay. it over from here. When you feel better. What is I'll my be why? Yeah, I like, love. Yeah. I what love- is your why? I love this question so much because I think when you get really zeroed in on why am I here, why am I making this decision, that's when you have clarity and success, right? Yeah. So a little story is that um, my father, like I was in my 20s and, you know, I was gaining weight and I was like, what the heck is going on? Getting terrible medical care. And then um, my father who was a type two diabetic became very, very ill. Mm. And he had um, multiple strokes and ended up on life support. And he had a DNR, do not resuscitate, that was violated. And so my brother and I, I was 27, my brother was 24, and we took him home to pass. And, you know, yeah, so... I mean, that's the sad part of the story, but the, the why is that, right? Why was that? That was very motivating for me because my I have three kids, but two of them at the time were like three and six. I hadn't had the third one yet. Okay. And, you know, they were very, very little. And so for me, I was like, I will never, never do this to my kid. I don't care what it takes. I will never put my children through this. Yeah. Um, my father, he had a lot of his, his own, you know, demons, but he really, negle- he would go days and days without taking insulin and he would really neglected his health. Wow. And so, yeah. So, you know, he really, um, he did this to himself. Didn't have to be that way. And I let him hold responsibility for that, but mm-hmm. 
Um, but for me, it was very motivating in like, I will never, I will never be that. Mm -hmm. And so every time throughout my whole, even to this day, when I'm making decisions regarding my health, I'm like, am I holding my promise? Mm -hmm. It is always like that promise is my North star in mm -hmm. every decision that I make as far as diet, when I decided to have bariatric surgery, all of those things, it was, am I, is this supporting me keeping my promise to my children? Um, yeah. So that's that. why. Yeah. But, um, how old was your dad? He was 58. Who else feels like portion control is the number one hurdle in a weight loss journey? I know I do, <laughs> but that is why we go to Portion Perfection to get all of our needs met because they have cups, they have bowls, and they even have recipes for us. It's so nice. They also have the kit and carry, which is perfect for on-the-go portion control. So click the link below and get yours today. Are you located in the Florida area? Well, we have the perfect office for you. Dr. Fridley and his wife, Macy, have created the perfect, welcoming, and safe place for your bariatric journey. That's right. So click on the link below to start your weight loss journey now. And don't forget to tell them that the OSLP's girls sent you. Oh, I remember this now because my dad was 59 when he passed. Mm -hmm. And it was frustrating because his was liver cancer, mm -hmm. which is 99% preventable. So I was very angry. Mm -hmm. I went through that whole stage. I remember being angry with him. And my husband at the time was like, you can't be mad at your dad. He's sick. And I was like, I know I don't want to be mad, but I'm fucking pissed because he didn't take care of his health mm -hmm. and Absolutely. didn't think in my head because I was still like I was 25 when he died. Mm. Right. And I was just like, why? He doesn't care enough about his health for me and my brothers. Like, right. Because that's how we take it. So, right. like, if our parents aren't healthy, mm -hmm. so all the parents out there or all the step parents or bonus parents out there, mm -hmm. listen up because those kids watch. They listen, yep. whether they look like they're listening, they are, mm -hmm. and they get very offended when you're not taking care of yourself because then mm -hmm. they think, am I not, a I literally told this um, to my dad once was like, I just felt like I wasn't important enough for him to stay around. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, I felt bad saying it, but I felt it in that moment and he just cried mm -hmm. and right. it's awful. And we don't want to watch our parents go that early. Like we no. should not be seeing our parents go in our twenties. Mm -hmm. Like- right. We're not in the nineteen hundred, like early nineteen hundreds anymore. Like yeah. we have healthcare, we have technology, yeah. mm -hmm. and we yeah. just have to take care of ourselves. It's mm -hmm. it's a big deal. It really is. I like that it's a promise to you. Yeah, to you that you revert back to. Like I made myself a promise. I made my kids a promise. Yep. And I'm gonna mm -hmm. hold tight to that. I'm gonna use yes. that. Did you write that down? I did. You I know. knew it. Huh? I made him a promise too, right? Like I promised him that I wouldn't do that. So, mm. you know, I promised him, like, he really couldn't let go until he heard my brother and I say, we will keep, we will stay with each other. Mm. We will take care of each other. We will protect each other. Right. So he loved us. His, his issues were just bigger than his love for us. Right. Mm. And that's some of that's not his fault. Right. right. And some of it is, but that's okay. And so, you know, so I promised him that. And now, you know, I'm watching my brother's hair turn gray, which my dad never got to see. Right. Yeah. And as we get older and, you know, and so it's not just a promise to myself. It's a promise to my husband, him and my husband and I had to, like, I think we'd been dating like a month when all of this happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, 
I know, right? I was like, wow. And we're still going, right? We're yeah. Still He's a keeper. 23 years later, we're still together. Um, I but that. I know. And he was just, he, but my dad never got to meet him, right? This person who I've now been with almost half my life. Yeah. My dad never met him, right? Um, oh, my crazy. dad never met two of my nephews or my third child. I was going to say your third child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how my brother but, feels because my dad mm-hmm. has not met the last two. Mm-hmm. Natalie yeah. and Josh mm-hmm. have no idea who grandpa is. Yeah. And it's very weird. Well, and he didn't get to watch Michael grow up. Mm-mm. Like, no. Become a, a man. It's weird, but it's he's weird. a man. I know. Like, <laughs> I mean, I babysat that kid. Me so. and my younger brother are 15 years apart. So, like, uh, he just turned 21 in July. Mm-hmm. So it just feels so, like, odd. It's, it's odd. Okay. Well, I'll just tell you, I have a brother who is 12 years younger than me. So pretty big age difference yep. as well. And he is about to turn 40. And I was like, no, I cannot. Like, <laughs> you're not allowed to turn 40. I'm supposed to still be changing your diapers and you're supposed to be slobbering on my face. <laughs> yeah. Mark, I love you if you're listening, which I know he's not. So okay. <laughs> I love That's it. Awesome. Well, and before we got on here, you told us that you specialize in eating disorders mm-hmm. and that- the reason why you do is because some of the eating habits you had before surgery. So what, what is, what did that look like? For uh, you? Yeah. So uh, yeah, this, this is a great, you know, talking about the death of my father leads directly into, you know, kind of how I really developed a very disordered relationship with eating. Okay. So, so my weight was skyrocketing. I had been diagnosed with one autoimmune condition at that time with this Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then my dad died and I was in a new relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. And about three years after my dad died, I got pregnant, uh, with my youngest okay. and, uh, developed gestational diabetes. Okay. And I was like, we're going to die. You're like, like I was bitch. just like, we're going to die. I'm going to die. Right. Like that. And what made that so terrible was that I would go to the doctor for insulin because I had to be on at the, now they treat gestational diabetes a little bit differently, but this was almost 20 years ago. And so, um, at that time, the only option was insulin. You couldn't take anything else. I think they do differently now. Um, so I was put on insulin and sent to a um, dietitian mm-hmm. as part of the um, hospital that I was part of. And they, they were like, uh, you're losing weight. And I'm like, well, because if I take the amount of ins- – if I eat the amount of carbs that you want me to eat, my blood sugar is 300, which you also don't want. And they're like, well, you'll have to figure it out. You got to, you know, if you don't eat this way, you and your baby are going to die. And I was literally told that repeatedly by registered dietitians, endocrinologists, um, and my OBGYN. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't do this, uh, if you don't eat in this way, if you're not perfect enough, you and your baby are going to die. Um, And so man, I just became a perfectionist. Yeah. I used to be able to tell you like how many carbs were in a tater tot. Like I knew that information Yeah, because I had to do, we didn't have CGMs, right? We didn't have all the tools that they have now. You had like a book 
in which you were like carb counting and all this kind of stuff. So that really led to this very kind of anorexia like state where I was just drilling into the details and perfectionism and um, all those kinds of restrictions. Yeah, because you didn't want you and your baby to die. Yeah. Right. You're just like literally scared straight, but not in a good way. But not in a good way. Yeah. Because I wasn't, the thing is, is I wasn't eating wrong. No, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Right. Mm. I was just trying to eat. Um, and so the last three months of the pregnancy, I was eating as my endocrinologist was telling me to eat, mm. taking the amount of insulin I was supposed to take. And I gained no weight and they were mad. Then they would get mad at me. They're like, you're not supposed to lose weight. And I'm just like, I can't fucking win. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to cuss. Yeah. Yes, you are. 100%. You, you are. fucking are. There yeah. you go. <laughs> there you go. I was like, I Fuck. cannot, I, <laughs> I cannot win, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I'm doing everything perfectly mm-hmm. and I'm still losing, right? Yeah. I'm still losing this game. So they ended up taking my youngest uh, via C-section a week early because the diabetes was so brittle and fragile mm-hmm. that they were like, if you go in, we can't risk you going into labor or you could both die, right? So again, right? And mind you, I had just lost my father to diabetes three years before, right? So right. I was like, well, that's not happening. Because yeah. remember, I that promise, that's right? right? You made that promise, man. Made that promise. And so I was like, by God, I'm going to make, you know, keep that promise. So, so you know, I had a, my youngest and um, they were like, oh, yeah, once you give birth, the diabetes goes away. It's all part of the, you know, um, uh, what is that? The placenta and all this kind of stuff. Well, diabetes is so genetic in my family that like every one of my cousins has it. I have it still to this day. I have it. Um, and, uh, even though I'm a normal weight, yes, you can still be a type two diabetic with normal weight. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, and so, um, my grandmother was actually even on pig insulin. Like that's how diabetic she was in like the thirties. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even Crazy. know that was a thing. Yes. Pig insulin. The first, the first insulin was actually uh, extracted from pigs because it's the closest to human insulin. Oh my God. I had no that clue. And for yeah. those that don't know, what is gestational, I'm going to say it wrong. Gestational diabetes. Gestational diabetes is usually a type of diabetes that only affects pregnant women. Okay. And it is usually completely associated with the placenta. And I don't know the the science around why that is. I just know that that is okay. the case. Usually that was not the case for me. Got it. Got it. It was so genetic. Right. Okay. And so, so, you know, I'm in the hospital, just had this kid, and I'm like, give me a freaking Starbucks. Like, I need some Starbucks, right? I've just given birth. I'm tired, and I want, like, I don't know. I don't even remember what I got, like a mocha latte or something like that. Okay. And my blood sugar shot up to 300. And they were like, oh, so it's not for you. It's not just gestational diabetes. Like, you are a diabetic. Mm. And so then... That diagnosis began an entire journey. I'm sure. Of yeah. Endocrinologists losing weight, trying to lose weight to get rid of the the betis, right? Mm-hmm. To get rid of the diabetes, um, because the still the prevailing idea is that if you have a normal BMI, you will not be diabetic. There's mm-hmm. still the idea that uh, type two diabetes is somebody's fault that they do it to themselves, which right. is 
bullshit. It is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived with, I listened to that and believed that for a long time. And so I would just keep dieting and dieting and doing everything and tracking and, you know, really punishing myself with food and getting this very, just, you know, exercising just hours a day and not losing weight at all. And they're like, well, you must just track your food, just track your food. And I'm like, I am so beyond that. Like, you know, so beyond that. So I, um, at 35, I, uh, developed really horrible fibroids and had a hysterectomy. Okay. And then, uh, two years later had premature ovarian failure. And so was in menopause at 37 and I've been on uh, HRT since then. Um, I, so that was kind of another autoimmune condition. I've now been diagnosed with, uh, in, uh, allergy to wheat, um, non-celiac gluten allergy, right? So it's just like spirals one thing yeah. after another. Yeah. Um, and those and, who are wondering what HRT is, it's hormone replacement therapy. Yes. Correct. Good job. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, it is hormone replacement therapy. I am on straight estrogen and I was put on pills, mm-hmm. um, which my body was not absorbing and my doctor never checked my levels. And so I was also in the last uh, month uh, diagnosed with osteoporosis. Oh my God. Kelly's about to yeah. lose her shit over here. What the fuck? <laughs> God. <laughs> like, what the actual fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, like, how right. are they not testing and checking? And so I think that typically, well, one, sexism. Yeah. Right standard of care is that if you're not experiencing symptoms of menopause, we that's why we give estrogen or HRT. We give it to prevent the symptoms. Now, my doctor said I'm giving it to you to prevent bone loss, but she still went under the standard of care, which is to not check. Um, so yeah. So again, sexism. Question. Standard of care Question. is to not check? Please, please. The standard of care is to not check your levels. Yes. That's weird, How right? How is that a standard of care? And I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the person. I like, I'm mad at the doctor for you. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. I know. I don't know. I don't know. Because, of, because they think that like giving women estrogen, side note, giving women estrogen or HRT is about sexual function and that's not necessary. And I'm like, um, I call bullshit on that. That is ridiculous. Right. And so if the government, if the federal government will pay for Viagra, I was men, say. you can pay for estrogen for women to continue to have a sex drive and not live in misery. But it's not because just a sex drive though. Like there's so many factors for estrogen. Like, Correct. Like yes. the hot flashes, the hormone, like up and down and being all unstable. And, and I'll tell you what, it's even more than that. Actually, studies are coming out now talking about estrogen and cognitive function as you age, right? It prevents Alzheimer's, yo. Heart oh disease. God. It prevents heart disease. I know, right? I'm like, I've got to talk about this because nobody's yeah. talking about this. And I know we're talking about a lot of things, but like, this is really important too, especially as y'all are younger than me. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, 
it's really important that we get educated about our bodies and mm -hmm. estrogen and nobody is talking about menopause, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, you're going to spend half your life in menopause. Yeah, you will. And the fact that like, yeah. so yeah, HRT, there. Jesus Christ, I know but there's no periods y'all. So, oh, I don't that, have one. Anyway. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Cause I'm 37 and still have like, it's regular. It's yep. like on time. I haven't had so. it in like eight years. It's, it's fine. I don't Next. want kids. But I was going to say is that they should check levels because then they can figure out the dose of estrogen that you have. Or are you absorb absorbing it, right? Yeah. So I'm someone who's had IBS my whole life. Now, of course, we know it's because I have allerg allergy to gluten, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but that means that my intestines were damaged and I wasn't, I wasn't absorbing nutrition. Uh, see, yeah. and you have to get tested to know that. Well, this is the whole thing. This is the whole fight that I have with people that think that they don't have to take vitamins and they don't have to get their blood taken. And people, i.e., I mean my boyfriend, because he's stupid. That's right, Zach. And he's the worst bariatric patient in this whole world. And I'm like, no, you have to take your vitamins and you have to take them that are formulated for a bariatric patient. Yes. And you have yeah. to get your blood taken so that they know if your body is absorbing the vitamins. Yes. And I will just tell you, uh, you know, people all the time are like, how do you maintain your weight loss? Well, one, what does that even mean? I've had ups and downs. It is normal for your body weight to change. Yeah. Pre and post surgery, right? Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, you know what? Because I still don't drink when I eat. Because I take a multi, because I see the doctor, I get labs done, I don't drink out of a straw, right? Like, I mean, I literally follow the basic instructions. Yeah. As I, I look over at our two straws. <laughs> no, I mean, we do all of the things, but things. the straw, well, and I drink carbonation, but it's just water. It's like bubbly water. It's yeah, you no like flavoring. There's no nothing. Like. Well, and I kind of I don't wanna... feel like I have to like I feel like I have to justify it. I don't know, know yeah, why you I, don't. I feel like it. You don't. You do not have to justify it, no. right? You but don't. I will hold tight to that eating and drinking at the same time. Yes, and because I had a sixty pound regain, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. along with that regain, I stopped paying attention to that. I stopped eating, uh, like I started eating and drinking at the same time. Yep. Therefore, I was You're washing, washing all of those, all that food down, and I started bit more. Couldn't yeah. figure it out. And then when I had said something to, I, it was either my therapist or Jamie, one of the two, and uh, they're like, "Wait a minute, hold on. When did you start gaining weight?" Oh yeah. Well, there was multiple. There are multiple things. reasons. I stopped but... taking certain meds. That, that was the fun one that I that we found out. Yeah, I got yelled at real hard for that one. Yeah, and then um, I didn't know either. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, tell look at anybody. that face. I just I didn't even tell my doctor. I yeah. just I was with her every day them. and did not know that yeah. she was not taking her pills. But I also think that it had to do with the fact that I was eating and drinking at the same time. I wasn't giving that time in between, and mm -hmm. I wasn't respecting my restriction. Yeah, at all. Yeah. I also, you know, I, I know this is kind of a hotly debated thing, but like, I still drink a protein shake. Yeah. Same. She does. I do too. 
Yeah. And some, some dietitians are like, no, no, get it all from food. I'm like, I'm going to get it from wherever I need to get it so that I meet my nutrition goals. Well, I feel like that's normal. Like if you need a protein shake because you're on the go in the morning, isn't it better that you had a protein shake versus nothing? Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. Or if you're not hungry at night, but you're still taking, like you're still drinking a protein shake, isn't it better than nothing? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, it better than nothing, but I also think that, yes, you should get the majority of your nutrients and food from actual food. You shouldn't live on protein shakes and protein no. bars for the rest of your life. Correct. But if it's a part of your routine, so what if it works for you? Well, and I'm really active. I do orange theory. Like, I work out a lot. And so, like, it, I just can't possibly get mm. The calories to sustain that activity unless I were to supplement or whatever, right? But I still occasionally work with a registered dietitian and have her look over everything, right? And so, you know, you just, I think when we start slacking Mm -hmm. on like ensuring those things or backsliding maybe, Mm -hmm. right? That's when we start running into trouble, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would highly agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of getting back to the eating disorder okay, stuff, it was really like a decade um, and a half, well, probably like 15 years that I really was like working with doctors and being informed about some food allergies and things like that and no support for that. But I was still, my weight was still really high and I was just not believed at all by doctor's offices, like whatsoever. They were like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I would do like, I don't know if anybody else has done the HRM diet, which is a, it's a medically supervised diet. And I would like, it's like um, chocolate pudding, right? And then packaged meals. And you just eat that. That's what that fucking dick tried to get me on. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So side squirrel moment because my blood pressure just raised thinking about it. So I went to go see a, um, what's the guy that does the needles? Like the little tiny needles, the acupuncture. Acupuncture, yeah. So yes. I was sent to an acupuncturist because my pain was so high. And this is like a few weeks before I had surgery, uh, bariatric surgery. And I was sent to him because I was still having a lot of pain. He started on this whole thing of like trying to adjust my pain meds and then trying to like things that now I'm like, that's not even your scope of work. Get the fuck out. Like, yeah. No, I just was like, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't have any idea at that point. And so then he put me on ketamine, which mm-hmm. I had to pay for out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And then it, I didn't like the I'm way. Like having so many, sorry, my face is like saying a lot of things. Yeah. 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 It's wild. Yeah. So all through this time, all these meetings with this guy, right? Never once stuck a needle at me. Okay. Uh-huh. Never once. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, what's like, what's the point of this? Because he said he wanted to do all these blood tests and blah, 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 so that he knew what was going on with my body, whatever. So then I went in for an appointment. We were actually supposed to do acupuncture, right? And he looks at me and he goes, okay, so what's your pain scale today? I said, seven. It's always a seven. And he's like, well, I have a hard time believing that you're not just seeking drugs because you're not on the floor curled up in the fetal position. Oh, wow. And I remember just being so defeated because I was like, 
in my head, I'm like, did he just say that I'm a pill seeker? Like, I didn't even want to be on these pills. And maybe he, he didn't even stop to think, oh, maybe I'm just used to the fucking pain that I'm in every, every day. single day. Yep. yep. Like, just because I'm not curled, like, if I can giggle and I'm not curled up on the fetal, in the fetal position, that means I'm lying. I guess. Cool. Got it. But anyways, at the end of that meeting, he's like, okay, we're going to need you to buy this whole system and you're going to start doing this. And And I think this would work so much better than you having that invasive surgery. This invasive surgery. And I was like. So he wanted to put you on the HRMs? Yes. <gasps> I remember it because I looked at it because he's like, I'll give you some samples. I'm like, oh, thank you. And it was going to be like $500 a month for this. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe more. It was, yeah, it was absolutely like astronomical and i i remember telling him well no i'm gonna have the surgery yeah like and so i left it there and i was like fuck that guy i am not a pill seeker i'm not taking any more pain meds and i literally did not take another pain med until i had surgery because he offended me so much because i was like i'm not i didn't even want to be on ketamine like what (laughs) are you talking about you're the one that prescribed it yeah so yeah anyways back to what you were saying but your HRMs. <laughs> okay. HRMs. So I would do like, I mean, I did every diet, like I swear. Some I've even forgotten the name of, but you know, but I did the HRM and I just remember going in because you have to go in weekly and be weighed and mm-hmm. check in and all this stuff. And and I had I was sticking to it like meticulously, like mm-hmm. perfectly, right? And and the nurse looks at me and she's like, hmm, I expected you to lose more weight this week. And I was just like, fuck you. Wow. I was just so like, I'm literally doing exactly what you told me to do. Right. And so I was like, I'll just get more perfect and I'll eat less. Mm. And you're already on only 800 calories a day on that diet. Right. It's very, it's a very low calorie diet. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll just eat less and I'll just eat less and I'll just eat less. Right. And so of course it kills your metabolism to do that. But Anyway, so, you know, I really had this very disordered relationship. Um, fortunately, I, I met with a trainer because I was like, I'm going to give this one more try. Like really, you know, the whole time I was at the gym, like I was working out. I had a lot of other good health things going on. Like my blood pressure was great. Like there were other signs that I was physically pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, and so I, I signed up with a trainer and I was like, I'll do whatever you say. I'll do whatever you say. And he was great. You know, he's a good trainer and he'd be like, okay, we're, you know, this is what I want you to eat this week. This is how you're going to work out all the things. I stayed with him for six months Damn. and, um, he was like, and I zero at the end of that six months, I think I weighed 0.5 pounds less than when I started half a pound. Wow. And, um, I, that was the first time that I had somebody in the trenches with me yeah. trying to figure this out. And he was like, I don't know what's going on. Right. And I was like, thank fuck, because I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, super validated. And around that same time, um, cause I think at that point I was like, well, I didn't think I was heavy enough to have bariatric surgery because I would just watch, you know, my thousand pound life or whatever. Yeah. Right. I w- didn't weigh that. And so I just never associated it in my mind. And and so I was like, I'm going to do this with this trainer. And if it doesn't work, I'm just going to figure out how to accept this bigger body and its struggles. Right. 
Um, and around the same time that I was finishing up with a trainer, a girlfriend of mine um, said she was going to have bariatric surgery. Okay. And I was like, oh, and then we started having a conversation and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. But, you know, I'll tell you, because that promise was always my North Star, I went to my surgeon um, in Austin um, and he's the surgeon that the nurses go to. And so I was like, okay, right. I'm going to go to the surgeon the nurses go to. Yeah. Yeah good surgeon. Yeah. And, um, and so he's ex- excellent surgeon. Um, Dr. Ganta, if anybody wants the name, um, and Ganta. And, um, when I met with him, all I cared about was the diabetes. Like really, I was like, how do I, cause it was just getting worse and worse and worse. Right. At that point I'd been a diabetic for over a decade mm. and it was getting worse and worse. And so I, he said, he, I don't know how true this really is, but it it worked for a while. But he said, well, basically, when we remove the fundus in a sleeve gastrectomy, that uh, removes the the part of the organ of the stomach that produces ghrelin. Correct. Yep. The hunger hormone. Right. But they've also found that ghrelin can impede the functioning of the pancreas. Okay. And so when we remove this organ and we remove a lot of that hormone from your body, the pancreas can function normally. Oh. And the diabetes goes away. And I was like, sign me up. Yeah. Done. Sign me up. Right. And so um I I had surgery uh May 10th, 2016. And um it went well. It was fine. And I I was a slow loser, you know, Same. I was a slower loser. Um and I was fine with that because up until then, this was still easy for me, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't killing myself at the gym and I wasn't like being crazy with what I was eating. And so, you know, I, um, I did really well. Um, I had a remission and this is, I hate to tell people this, but it's just true. It is just reality. I had a diabetes remission of five years. Wow. Um, so all of the studies with diabetes and bariatric surgery do not go past five years. Oh, okay. So if you have a really strong predisposition to being diabetic, um, you know, especially like the genetics of my family, then losing weight may not cure it. Now, I will say I'm in a way better position to manage it mm. even now. I'm on way less medication than I was on before, right? Um, it's easier to control and all of that kind of stuff. Good, um, good. So, you know, I mean, you can get it, but it's still worth it um, mm-hmm. to have the surgery and be at a lower weight. You know, being frankly, being at a lower BMI makes my diabetes way less impactful on my health. So, oh, for sure. So what was your highest weight and what's your current weight? So my highest weight was 225 and my current weight is 134. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And how did you transition into being a therapist? Yeah, that, that's kind of an interesting story, but. Um, we like stories here. <laughs> because, right. It's a podcast. Of course we like stories. So I actually was never intending to be a therapist. I went to school to be a social worker and I wanted to work in medical social work. I had a background as an EMT, as a medical assistant and things like that. My kids had, you know, didn't really need me quite as much anymore. And so I was like, oh, what am I going to do in the next season, right, of life? And so I went back to school to be a social worker. 
I am a social worker still. Um, and I was accepted into a program at the University of Texas at Austin, which is where I um, graduated from. And I, uh, the program was part of Dell Medical School um, where they embed social workers with doctors and pharmacists and nurses and it's oh, cool. nurse practitioners. It was pretty cool. It's actually a very, very cool program. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, it was. Um, so I was working in uh, infectious disease okay. in spring of 2020. Huh. And, oh, and, uh, huh. Convenient. Okay. So my, uh, that whole I don't know thing. why that's funny to me. <laughs> Know, right? Whenever we tell timing. people that, they're like, what? And I'm like, and it was as horrible as you can possibly imagine. Yeah. And so they actually ended my program. And I, because I was in a final field placement is what it's called for social work. And so I was sent to do therapy in the middle of the pandemic uh, during our George Floyd riots. Um, as I was also traumatized and I was like, I needed to graduate. So I needed a certain amount of hours. And so I was like, okay, I guess this is how I'm going to get them. But I never intended to be a therapist. Um, and then I had to be one and I actually really, really loved it a lot. And I started seeing a lot of people who had similar experiences to me around eating and, Mm -hmm. um, their relationship with their body and food and things like that and how gaslit they had been and their whole life with the medical community and, and things like that. So, you know, that kind of snowballed into what I do now, which is I work with a lot of bariatric clients um, with eating disorders. Um, and I think a, a really, I read a statistic on the ASMBS, the, I don't remember that, what all that stands for, but it's the Association of Metabolic Surgeons, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so um, the statistic is 70% of bariatric patients are meet diagnostic criteria for binge eating disorder prior to surgery. And wow. I know, right? And if they have an active eating disorder, they should not have bariatric surgery. Okay. Oh, did not know that. That is clearly not what is happening. Oh, not at all. Not at all. all. I mean, my, for them to find out if I had an eating disorder at all was a 15 minute phone call. Yeah. And that is absolutely criminal. That is not at all um, how you assess for an eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no money in that. Right. So like, like I don't personally do psychological assessments because if I think somebody has an eating disorder, I'm going to say, no, they should not have surgery. Right. Because that's the ethical thing to do. Right. Well, surgeons aren't going to send somebody to me for an assessment. Mm -hmm. If I know that 70%, that means seven out of 10 people you send my way, I'm going to say no to. Right. And I just, yeah. So what, do you remember questions or what they asked for you to be like, like diagnosed so that you have an eating disorder? Like what are the telltale yeah. signs, I guess? Yeah. So first you have to realize there's four primary eating disorders, right? Mm-hmm. So there's binge eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about that, right? In mm-hmm. the eating, in bariatric world. We do, and yeah. It's, Right. So, mm-hmm. so everybody knows what binge eating disorder is primarily, right? Mm-hmm. It's binging, 
eating an excessive amount, um, it looks a little bit different as a post-op, right? That's where you're going to see the eating a lot of slighter foods, mm. um, eating like high calorie, sugary foods, things like that. Um, eating more, eating past the feeling of fullness, yep. right? Like that's kind of how it'll look. It's not before surgery. It might look like getting three meals at the McDonald's drive-thru, you know, eating one for yourself in the car and taking home two and then eating the second one mm. right at home, right? It looks like that kind of stuff, hiding, hiding how we're eating, things okay. like that. So there, that's binge eating disorder. Okay. Then we also have bulimia, right? That's mm. your, your binging and purging. And so purging um, can look like active throwing up. That's often what people think about with purging. Mm -hmm. But purging is also actually exercise purging. So anytime, first and foremost, anytime we are trying to actively lose weight, we are engaging in purging, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to the gym to burn off calories for the food that you ate, that is technically exercise purging. Oh. Whether it is adaptive or maladaptive is depends on the person, right? Okay. And so um, if you're going to the gym and you're working out two hours, I would probably start questioning that. Okay. You know, you're doing it multiple times a week. I'd probably start questioning that. Um, more than two hours, I would definitely be questioning that. Because right? there's no reason. Now, unless you're an athlete, like on a sports team, right? Or maybe you're a, a body lift or, you know, oh, yeah, bodybuilder, mm -hmm. bodybuilder, right? There are reasons why somebody might do that. So mm -hmm. it's not really cut and dry or black and white as to like, yes, no, right? So you've got to dig a little bit yeah. as to why is somebody doing this behavior mm -hmm. to assess whether it's adaptive or maladaptive. Or okay. especially like when you'll be like, well, I'm going to eat this cookie, but now I'm going to go be in the gym for three hours. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be bulimic behavior. Yeah. And it's also everywhere in the workout fitness industry too. Oh, I, what's interesting is because I, we kind of talked to a lot of guys like mm -hmm. bodybuilders and um, people that got really into exercising after weight, uh, after surgery mm -hmm. and it's, it's rampant with men. They have no idea what they're really doing, mm -hmm. but right. it's rampant. And I, uh, we watch men take like literally just like pick themselves apart through the mirror, why they're yeah. doing the weights, why they're doing all the things. And you're like, oh my God, stop. Mm -hmm. Like, when, and talking. men, we really don't talk about eating disorders in men, mm -hmm. which is a different shows up very differently. Right. But mm -hmm. purging can also be spitting and chewing. Um, it can be laxative use, mm -hmm. right? People do that too. You know what's so interesting about the laxative one? Yeah. I've thought about it. And diuretics too, yeah. Diuretics, yeah. I've totally thought about the um, laxative one. Never mm -hmm. done it, but it has come to my mind a few times back in the day of like, huh, I heard that works. Let's yep. just clear out the system. Yeah, yeah. So. We can justify it so easily, right? And it's not like, like, right, when I was restricting, um, because I, if I didn't, my baby and I were going to die, right? Well, right. that's a really adaptive strategy. So that's the other thing. I really want to de-shame anybody who might be listening that's feeling shame about the behavior. Absolutely not. You are trying to get a really valid need met by engaging in these types of coping strategies, yes. right? 
And what has happened is that these coping strategies have now just like ballooned into something that's kind of developed a life of its own by the time you have eating disorder, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Eating disorders are a spectrum. Mm. Like nobody starts out bulimic, right? We start with, I just want to lose 10 pounds and I'm going to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we go, oh, well, if a little bit is good, more is better, right? That's such a logical, normal thing to think, right? So the other eating disorders are ARFID, uh, A-R-F-I-D, Avoidant Restrictive Feeding and Intake Disorder. Um, so that often happens as part of a traumatic experience. So like if there was a choking event when you were, you know, a child, um, things like that. And so it, it's a lot of fear around eating food and you get very um, restrictive as far as like textures of foods and things like that. Um, One that is not an official diagnosis, but will probably be included in the next iteration of our um, DSM, which is our diagnostic manual uh, for mental health is orthorexia. It's not actually an official diagnosis. Orthorexia. What is that? Orthorexia is a gateway of restriction that's about perfectionism in the cleanliness of your food. Mm. Like Whole30 would be a great Mm. example of orthorexia. Organic, grass-fed, like all of that kind of stuff. Pure, clean, the 10 clean ingredients, right? But it's like on steroids. Mm. Um, Not like, you know. So that one is there as well. And I'm probably missing one, but, um, but kind of the, the, the primary ones, you know? Okay. So anorexia Anorexia is the one I'm missing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's the difference between restriction and anorexia? So restriction, every single person who has bariatric surgery has engaged in restriction. We had, our surgery is restriction. Okay. Okay. So how does that not make us anorexic? Well, in some people it does. Okay. Right? Yep. I know plenty of people who are like, I'm going to lose all my weight, only eating 300 calories a day. I'd start asking about that. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I'd start digging into that. Um, That's pretty scary and not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, And so, you know, it's it's about degrees. It's about degrees of... Um, and what is kind of the emotion underneath engaging in a behavior mm. that's fueling this this uh, thing that you're doing, right? So when I, what's the difference? When I went and had surgery, I was keeping a promise to manage my diabetes, mm-hmm. right? For the sake of my children. Mm-hmm. That is fueled by love. Yep. Right. For my kids and my family. Right. Now that could teeter pretty easily if I wasn't also in therapy. So let's also make sure, make clear, like I didn't just figure this shit out on my own. Right. I've had a decade of my own therapy. Right. I'm the therapist, the therapist. We call it my grand, my clients call it the grand therapist, you know, and I'm like, Uh, and you know who she is, but (laughs) yes, I also have a therapist. Yeah. They, all therapists have one. Yep. They do. Well, they should do. The good ones do. Yes. And so, you know, it's all about degrees. I don't know if that answered the question, but. No, but- it does. It does. Um, my other uh, question is within the bariatric community, what do you see the most and like prior to having surgery? And then what do you see the most after surgery? And what do you see? Cause you're in the community. So what mm-hmm. do you see kind of rolling around? And I know that was a very long question, but no. 
two parts. No, I, I think this question is so important. So let me back up one step, okay. which is if you have to understand compulsive behavior, right? We go into surgery, maybe we don't have, maybe we have the eating disorder, 70% of us do, mm-hmm. um, but maybe we have other coping strategies. Mm-hmm. And so addiction at its core is we have process addiction and substance addiction, right? At its core is a compulsive behavior. I can't stop doing this thing to manage my feelings. That's all addiction is, is an attempt to manage an overwhelming emotion, okay. right? And that's deserving of empathy and compassion, actually. Yeah, Um, 100%. 100%, right? And so the behavior of driving while drunk is going to get some limits, right? Mm -hmm. But the need to manage our feelings is, is a valid need. And so before we have surgery, we have this way of being in the world in which we've got our coping strategies, healthy and unhealthy. And we, and then we have surgery and those coping strategies are no longer available to us. Mm-hmm. So what I see in the bariatric community over and over and over again is the transfer mm-hmm. addiction, the transfer of the compulsive behavior. And you can do that with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. You can be a binge eating disorder person before surgery and you be, can become a bulimic after surgery or an anorexic wow. or an orthorexic after mm-hmm. surgery. That's the thing I see a lot. And that is what I think you were talking about, Mel, Mm -hmm. is that these guys, women do it too, right? They go, they have the surgery, maybe they were binge eating before, and now they're developing a bulimic presentation. Yeah. And you can have a combination of bulimia and anorexia, and we call that OSFED, other something, specified feeding and eating disorder. There you go. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's right there. So anorexia and bulimia together? Yes. So how, what is that again? Say that like, so that, that look is, like? that looks like I'm going to super restrict. Okay. Perfect. I'm going to track every morsel that goes in my mouth, right? I'm going to be like super, super strict and I'm going to work out three hours a day. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm on the same page. So that's what you see a lot in our community. I do see it a lot in our community and I see people sharing that with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, no, 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 we can just, in fact, somebody co- directly talked about it, right? Where they're like, oh, no, 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 you can just transfer your addiction to working out and you can just go work out multiple hours a day. And I'm like, no, no. we don't do that. <laughs> do, what are you feeling, right? That's the trick is you've got to identify the emotion mm-hmm. before you go work out for four hours. Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you doing that? Nobody's body needs that. That's concerning in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It really is. In so many ways because we preach therapy. We preach it. We are both in therapy. We have recognized what a direct healing is from our therapists, um, from starting therapy and getting, getting these, these things talked about. And so to have somebody say, oh, no, 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 you can just transfer that into working out because that's not any healthier for you. Just because you had surgery doesn't make it any healthier. Well, Well, what you're really doing is it's just another form of transfer addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like they're not taking care of themselves. They're just literally transferring it. 
and it's scary to hear someone say that because like, how do we know they're not going to be like, well, transfer that to alcohol or, Hey, you got lots of money. Transfer that to gambling, like shopping, shopping, like it's Which wild. is still not any healthier because, no. again, you're not dealing with the underlying issue. Right. You have to deal with the underlying issue in order to move past an addiction. Yeah. And Correct. I just, <laughs> oh, Kitty, why are you making me so angry? Um, <laughs> I know. I'm so great at I just want you to know that, like, my my clients often will be like, why are you such an asshole? And I'm like, because you pay me to be one. And they're yes. like, you're right. Yes. No, I, I like, I love that you're bringing this into our attention because that means, and you know, we had spoken prior to starting the uh, recording and this is something that is needed to be talked about. Yes. This is, and I feel like this needs to be said is like, this is not an easy episode for anybody involved in it, nor is it supposed to be easy to listen to. It is supposed to be something that you take a long, hard look at yourself and your life and what you're doing. What are, because I know, okay. So when I had surgery, I was overweight. I was unhappy. I was in pain every day. I was doing everything that I could to survive daily. So when I had surgery and I was like, I'm not hungry, I'm going to be the perfect patient. I'm not going to eat carbs. I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm going to cut all these things out and I'm going to eat below the level that I need to because Mm -hmm. I was losing weight and I was feeling better than ever. Yep. So I literally did exactly what you're saying. I transferred my binge eating because I was in pain and stuck in bed to I'm going to eat the least amount that I possibly can because I want to continue losing weight and I want to continue to feel good and look good. So I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then what yep. happened? I didn't deal with those emotions. So when my husband left me and I went through a majorly traumatic divorce, what did I start doing? I started binging again. I started gaining weight and I still hadn't dealt with the underlying fucking issue, which started the whole process. Yeah. Right. The whole process. So it has to be talked about because it's not just this person that's in the corner, not talking about it. Like this is running like that. Literally that's me. Mm -hmm. And I think that like we get together, right. When we're around each other, it's so exciting and validating Mm -hmm. to be around other people walking this life, right? Like this journey, it is a lifelong journey, Mm -hmm. but there's some hard shit we got to talk about too. And I'm not, I'm not hearing those conversations Mm -hmm. and I'm good at those conversations because I do it every day. I tell people like, why are you doing this stupid thing? And they're like, I don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we just got to talk about it and make space for that. But what I really, really want viewers to hear, listeners to hear is that NEDA, N-E-D-A dot org is a national eating disorder association that has a shit ton of resources, right? Mm -hmm. You can there's books, there's podcasts like this one, there's like resources out there. It doesn't have to be expensive. If you can't afford therapy, which not everybody can just be real. Mm -hmm. There's join like Berry Nation, your Patreon, like that is going to be way more affordable for you Mm -hmm. than maybe therapy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so invaluable. Like get off the God blessed Facebook groups. Like Oh I know my. they're awful. There's... I do want to point out too is that there is the tribe and 
that mm. is another really great source because it's all um, we both we're both in the tribe. Yeah, and so okay. we love the support groups. There's over forty. I think every month. Yeah, there's literally at least one support group a day, if not two. Yeah, and there it's they cover all different types of issues. You know, cultural eating and how to transition. Yes. You know, in that type of way, there's ones for moms. There's ones for pre-op, like PCOS. There, yeah, there's even one now for if you're on a semi-glutide, which is amazing. So yes. I do want to point out, like, there is a lot of different way, like. Yes. Programs that you can go to and it's, it's very affordable. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. very affordable. Um, and the other thing, you know, and I'll just, we'll kind of walk through a little activity together. Yeah. Love activities. Um, and so, so (laughs) (laughs) sorry, sorry. She said she loves those and we both were like, no, you don't. No, Kelly, I I, I don't, I don't like to not participate. No. You don't need to participate in the okay, activity. Okay, cool. I'm good. I like to participate. People can do it at home if they want to. Okay. So you just get a piece of paper out, and you write down all the behaviors that you're doing that you hate, right? Like, mm. I can't stop drinking, or I can't stop eating, or whatever the thing is. I scroll TikTok too much, right? Whatever the thing is that you're doing that you don't like. Okay. And then you ask yourself, what am I feeling when I do that thing? Okay. okay. What am I feeling? What an emotion. Okay. Now, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Yeah. I feel sad. I feel tired. I feel angry, right? I feel grief. I feel disconnected. I feel shame. There's all these things. And actually, I like to talk about the four horsemen of emotions, which is shame, grief, disconnection, and anger. So usually when we're engaging in a behavior that we wish we would not engage in, it's because we're feeling one of those four horsemen of emotions. Can you repeat those four? Yes. Shame, grief, disconnection, and anger. Mm, Okay. Those are feelings humans will do anything to avoid. Anything. We hate those feelings. Yep. Right? Um, We will drink to oblivion Mm -hmm. so that we can stop feeling that. Yep. We will take opioids. We will eat right we will do whatever we can to oh, stop sounds, feeling sounds like my ex so you identify what am i feeling when i do this thing okay then you identify the situation that led to the feeling mm. we're creating a little chain right mm-hmm. we're kind of working back up the chain because it's easy to identify the behaviors right. right maybe the behavior is ruminating i can't stop my brain right mm-hmm. something like that yeah there's a feeling there's a situation that has happened. But here's the trick that you got to figure out is your brain has made a association between a situation and a feeling and what it says about you. Oh. Right? So an example, if I'm overweight, I'm going to die. Mm. That was the association my brain made. Mm-hmm. Right? If I don't work out, I'm not holding my promise. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a promise breaker, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. But often these stories that we make up, that we have made up, come from childhood, mm-hmm. right? Okay. They come from childhood. Everything that we know is something we have learned. And so when we're children, we internalize everything. If my mom yelled at me, it's because I'm unlovable, mm-hmm. right? That's the work you have to figure out in therapy. And once you figure out that story, mm-hmm. 
the behaviors fall by the wayside. Mm. Ah, that is why people should go to therapy right there. Yep. Because I hear all the time, why do I need it? I know my problems. Well, you don't know how to process them. And then that right there, they actually fade away once you address it. Yes. And I can, I can say like, I had actually a a triggered moment over last weekend. Yes, she did. Me and Mel were talking about it. And it was, um, it was somebody pounding on a wall really, really hard. It triggered me so hard that I went back to my marriage, my ex, whatever it's called, and then uh, even further back to my childhood with my mom and my dad in the same house. Now, my mom left my dad when I was five and a half. I think it was five and a half. And uh, weird that I remember that. But uh, I don't really remember anything back. Like, I only remember from the moment we stopped living with my dad forward. Mm -hmm. And so it put me way far back. And I was able to work it out with my therapist. And I don't feel as triggered by those things Mm -hmm. now that I've talked about it and worked through it and been like, this is why I don't, like, this is why these things trigger me because of this instance. Yes. From my childhood. So Right. But just understanding that, right? And if you don't have, so if you don't have like a trauma therapist or a therapist who knows how to do that work, mm-hmm. you know, like that can be really, really tough, mm-hmm. right? To figure that out and, and make sense of why am I doing this thing? Mm-hmm. And and would you shame five and a half year old you? No. Probably not. She's no. a little girl, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. And she just loved Ariel and wanted to watch Disney all the time. How is that bad? And how is that any different from today? Correct. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> all have our own inner children. Yes. That's what I'm saying. We're all like, oh, I went kind of dark so though. I was sense. like, in my head, I instantly was like, yeah, we're all just like broken children. Well, is that why I like to watch Disney? Because I felt safe and wanted yes, to do that. Yes. 100%. Oh. I've been telling you this. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> it yes. just made sense in my head. <laughs> now it's yes. like, Oh, yeah, because oh. it, it's the it's happy, it's fantasy, it's comforting. Nothing bad happens. Nothing bad. That's why you love Disney World. That's why you're. You literally always say it's like you will run away to Disney. Yeah, World. yeah. That was a thing that I learned with my therapist is because I was like I I run away. So like mm-hmm. any trips that I take, it's me running away. It's not oh I'm going on vacation. And he said, why right. do you feel like that? And it was a, it was a whole discussion. Mm-hmm. And then yes. I was like, okay, let, yeah, because I run away to Disney. Yeah. I run away to Universal because nothing don't... bad can happen in Disney. And there's always a happy they ending. Sure there's always a happy ending. I will yeah. prove it. No, I'm, I know. I said oh. that. I said they they make sure of it. Oh, I thought you said prove it. I no, was like, other than the the guy flasher naked guy that happened like, like fight. Like, I know. You see that face? You love with my Disney. Yeah. No, they make Very. sure that you can literally walk up to a character and say you're having a bad day, and they will make sure it changes. Yeah, and they actually you, give you a toy, if you hug them, they w- they cannot let go until you let go. Yeah. So if you need an eight second hug, you grab it. You get it. Yeah, I love Disney. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, they're all about making sure it's magical. I worry, I worry about the cleanliness of the costumes and stuff, and I'm like, who else has been touching oh. these people? Dark no, I don't it. care. Kelly's. Yeah. yeah. I, Kelly's. I run down alleys. I, I will kick kids she, out of the way I to literally, get to Disney or get to Mickey first. Okay, so we are totally squirreling yes, for like a hot second. moment. This is one of May, Mel's favorite stories to tell. Yes, because her and Jamie – 
sleep dietitian. That's who I was with for Epcot, right? Yes. Yep. This is Epcot. the Epcot story. Yep. Okay. Epcot. And here's the thing. They're all dressed up. They're super cute. They're like little girls. I'm literally behind them in like a rocker shirt. And I'm just yeah. like Hey, you watching. wore the Epcot ears. I wore the Epcot ears, but I was my yeah. rocker shirt. Yeah. yeah, you were. And I was watching them because people are watching them. And they're not noticing people are watching them. And so I'm like, I feel like I'm like protector. I'm like, okay, don't mess with my girls, whatever. And I'm taking their photos, doing all the things. But then they wanted me to go down an alley to take photos of them with Goofy. Right? And Mickey. And Mickey. Nothing bad's going to happen and I if was I like, walk I down an alley I was like, that's Mickey. where that's where I stop, guys. They're like, what? I'm like, I'm not going down an alley to take pictures of you guys with cartoons. Yes. Characters. It's fine. I, I took a selfie. It's too creepy to me. I so took a selfie. I would have done it. Took each other. Right? Mm-mm. Right? I it's I Mickey. Watched. I watched. It's fucking Mickey. Yeah, I mean, I you never, got it. I had never met Mickey before. I mean. That's that's I why I went down. down an alley to meet Mickey. No. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Hands down. Nothing bad's going to happen. I had to kick the like, little kid out of the way. See? That's like, get out of here. What? I've been waiting my whole life to meet Mickey. You She's you wild. just started. You just started. <laughs> That's true. You're like, I've waited 36 years for this damn thing. You're too little. Me first. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't have paid your dues yet. Yeah, yeah. You have not fought enough for to meet Mickey. That's right. Back of the line. You didn't work to get that money. Your parents did. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't on your credit card. Get to the back of the get line. Get to the back. Get to the back. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So oh. yeah, it's because I I love um, thrillers, suspense, horror movies. So we're like we're exactly opposites. Mm-hmm. It's quite yeah. Funny. I don't do the horror. She no. won't do I anything that like... erases yeah. those emotions. Mm-mm. Oh no, I want like blow up sci-fi. Oh, Give yeah. me Avengers. Oh. But I read trashy novels. So. I, I love trashy novels. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I won't yeah, do I won't do Marvel movies anymore. I'm done. Yeah, I only go if my kid wants to go or whatever. But I'm not a well because Eric broke yeah. you. With Eric that. did break me, my ex, with those. I've seen every one oh. literally in order, and okay. that's as of two when Captain Marvel came out and all the Avengers and all the things. All the in game, I will never fucking watch the end game. Guess what, guys? It ends. You don't need a three hour thing of that. Um, but I hate the whole setup. Ending. You are a monster. I know. <laughs> it ends. Guess what? Santa Claus isn't real. There isn't no tooth fairy, and the end game actually ends. But I think you need a trigger warning for that. <laughs> I know. I know. What if people are like not finished with it? Yet? I know, Sarah. You you are listening right now. We love you, Sarah Pulling. Just put that in the description. I'll be saying some Santa Claus and fairy stuff. Don't listen to this around children. <laughs> Jesus, you just ruined so many childhoods. Oh, my God. You know who did my kid? My kid did that at, at um, elementary school. Did he tell somebody that Santa Claus didn't exist? He told all of, like, second grade. That oh, Dylan Santa Ryan. Does not exist. Yeah, I know. He just peeked in, too. Dylan Ryan. Sorry, we got way off topic, but we anyways. did. We did, anyways. Okay, it's the end of the day for both of our, all of us. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I think this is like the best conversation. It is so important, just like you said in the beginning of the of us. Like this is a topic that needs to be talked about. We have yeah. to realize that just because it's healthy, doesn't make it healthy. Healthy. Yeah. There is a yeah. way. You know, there is diet and a diet. There are two different terms. That's that why we're changing it. 
Yeah, it's now food hygiene. Food hygiene. Food hygiene. I haven't heard that one. I'm no, we made I made that. it up. Yeah, I made it up. Well, okay. we made it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I think it works because I'm tired of the word diet because then everybody thinks diet culture immediately. Uh huh. And they yes. don't understand like, no, this is just the way that I fucking live. Like, yeah. this yeah. this is not like a diet. Like I'm on a diet. No, this is what I eat now. So well, I'm and like, I think that's part of why I wanted to talk, right? Like because if I'm an OG, right, mm-hmm. I, there's nobody out there who's 10, 15 years ahead, right? Like, because I think what happens- Very few, yeah. Very few, because they're just like, well, this is just my life now. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not really something I think about or talk about a whole lot, Mm -hmm. you know? But I think it's really important that people that have multiple years behind them successfully, who've dealt with their shit, who go to therapy, who walk the walk, right? Yep. Need to be talking about these things. Correct. Absolutely, because you're seven years- Almost eight. Yeah, and I just hit eight, so yep. we're really close together. And mine's in May, too. Yeah. Mine's and- May 13th, 2015, yeah. so it's kind of crazy because you're yeah. May 10th, 2016. Yeah, you're like yes. a year ahead of me. Yeah, one you're year. OG, you're OG-er OGer than me. OGer yeah. than me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it does take some OGs, though, that have been successful mm-hmm. that do need to talk more because mm-hmm. people think that literally, like, the population thinks that we all gain, regain everything around like what, year three? Yeah. And that by year five, we have all of the weight back and we're all Mm -hmm. fucking up, but that's not true. That's not true. So not true. And so we just have to speak more about it. And I think the the balance too is that everybody thinks I'm going to have surgery and everything is going to be great. Mm -hmm. And I wish that were true, but Mm -hmm. like, it's just not like sometimes there's been consequences of my surgery, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just reality. And I'd still rather have these consequences than the alternative, but you know, I mean, it's not perfect. And I see a lot of people like, start to weight regain or have other health issues and they feel like I'm a failure, mm-hmm. right? I That's failed. How I felt. And they, you don't, you're not failing, right? No. Or I fucked up and mm-hmm. it's like not necessarily the case, right? Like I did something wrong. No, it's not true. It's just, it's not a, it's not a perfect fit and it's not going to be perfect and you're still going to have health shit that happens. 100%. And just know that's normal life. Yeah, that's just life. Like, I know we always like, well, after and post-op, you know, like life, but it's like that would have, that's still going to happen regardless whether you had surgery or not. Like these problems are going to arise. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that we got divorces or we, a friend or family member has died, those things will happen. Mm-hmm. It's your reaction and how you're using your tool and do you have someone to talk to? Do you have a support group? Mm-hmm. Like, you need all those things, whether you had surgery or not. Whether just, you, just people forget yeah. that you do need a therapist, whether you had surgery or not. Yeah. You do need, like, your doctors, your dietitian. You should have a dietitian. Mm-hmm. The fact that, like, none of us did. I no. never did until now. I did. So it's like, mm-hmm. they don't even recommend it, which makes no sense. Like, yeah, unless I you have a weight problem, that's it. Yeah. I paid out of pocket for my surgery. And so I didn't have to see the dietitian except for one 30 minute conversation. I actually really liked my dietitian. Um, but that was like six months and then not really. Yeah. Anything. I only had to meet mine once. Yeah. Just like you did. It was like, but mine was an hour and, and I, I worked it, with Jamie and I had to pay for it, but that was a different like, but that was like years after. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, but I don't remember any, but any of my doctors saying, well, you need to start losing weight. Here's a dietitian to talk to. Yeah. Oh no. There was no solution. It was just, yeah. 
Go do it. Lose weight, you fatty. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do kind of want to throw out there that I think that if you're, you know, if listeners are thinking about working with a dietitian, which they should be thinking about that, to just be a little bit cautious. There are a lot of dietitians out there in the community who are very health at every size oriented and very, um, not that I have a problem with that particular belief system, mm -hmm. but they're very shaming upon folks who have had bariatric surgery. So, yes. yep. you know, yes. if you're going to work with a dietitian in your community, ask, what is your experience with bariatric patients? Have you worked with them? And what is your framework for working with clients? Oh, I love Good that. Tip. Good because tip. Uh, we've learned from dietitians and even nurses and surgeons that there's a lot of biases that go on mm -hmm. within the medical community. There's a lot of stigmas, especially mm -hmm. around obesity. Mm -hmm. And yes. it does, it is a problem with all different professions. So mm -hmm. definitely ask. Yes. Definitely Always ask. ask. Like you're the customer, right? Like it's really important whether you're looking for a therapist or a dietitian that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. That person. And yeah. I don't think you should just hop on to a dietitian because they're big in a community. Right. I feel oh. like you should find the right fit for you. And I don't think, because I, I see it sometimes where it's like a scarcity. I only have these this many spots open. And I think you should stop and think like, okay, is this somebody that if they had unlimited spots, I would want to work with? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what am I looking for as far as a dietitian? I know when I first asked Jamie to be my dietitian, yep. she's like, what do you, what, what are you wanting? Like, right. what, what are you looking for in a dietitian? I was like, I don't know, macros? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm looking for. I just want to fucking lose weight again. Yeah. Like, that was what I boiled down. She's like, I don't think macros are going to help you. Like, I, I feel like there's other things going on. And she yeah. was like, I can give you some um, some people that I think would be a really good fit. So that would be another thing is, like, reach out and ask, like, what right. do you do as a dietitian, mm -hmm. as a client, if this is what I'm looking for? So. Well, and I think that that's like the first question you should ask yourself. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to work? What do you, what do you want to work on? Yeah. Right? Like, what are you trying to change? Because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, whether you're working with a dietitian or a therapist, mm -hmm. all we're doing is having a change conversation. Mm -hmm. And so what do you want to change? Is it a yeah. behavior? Is it a feeling? Is it a thing you're doing? Like, mm -hmm. you know, what is it that you want in therapy or with a dietitian? Don't just go do one just because everybody says go to therapy. Yeah. Right. Right. Find um, the one for yeah, you. Yeah, figure out what you want right. moving forward right. as being a part of a healthy body and a healthy mind. Yeah. Yes. Like putting those two together, what do you see? I think that's a good – that would be a good question to journal on personally. Oh, 100%. Like what – when you think about good mental health and good healthy body, mm -hmm. what do you envision your life looking yeah, like? Yeah, what does that yeah. look like to you? Yeah. What uh, behaviors yeah. do you want to stop doing? And start doing to here's, create that. Here's another question, right? What do you think about your body? Ooh. What do you think about your body? Yeah. What do you feel about your body? I'll tell you, as someone who now has like five autoimmune conditions. <laughs> someone I that beats you, Kelly. I know. I have four. <laughs> my psyche, my mind mm -hmm. has some opinions about what this body is doing. Mm -hmm. But you know what? This body houses my soul, mm. houses my heart, houses my love for my children, mm. right? Houses my love for my family. Yeah. And so this body is the one I got mm. till the end, yeah. right? 
I'm not going to spend it hating it. I'm not going to spend my life dieting anymore. I won't do it. Yeah. So if I got to figure out what the mind thinks about my body, then I'm going to figure that out because I'm not going to spend my life at war with it. Oh my God. I like That's that. That's so great. I, I think we should end it there. Can you write down <laughs> your soul? Because I think that's, I don't know what that one got me. Housing your soul. It because is. The house. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, uh, Katie, for being on. It was amazing. And I can't even tell you how grateful I am that you reached out and that we got to discuss these things. And we got so to important. meet you at the retreat. Yes. We got to hug you in person. I love it. I got it to touch so you. Cool. Yeah. You got to and- poker. I got to poker. Yep. Yep. <laughs> not in a weird way not in a weird way yep but it would be okay if it was weird because you know That's i roll true. that way we're so. kind of weird Same. together yeah it's, it's and funny. just know all of her information will be linked below yes. so if you yes. want to find kitty you can yes. and she does have pink hair yes you have pink hair it yeah. is pink yeah if you're yeah, on I youtube you, you know i yeah. see clients all over texas too so okay. you know texas you can i can okay. work with Oh, look at that. Okay, so if you are located in the Texas area, click the links below. Find Kitty because she is, I, I love She's you already. She's phenomenal. Um, and don't forget to go over to our website, OurSleeveLifePodcast.com. Definitely check out Patreon, patreon.com forward slash OSLP. Yep. And then click the subscribe and uh, little bell on YouTube. I got Those it. Those are all the things. I got it, Mel. You give. Yeah. I'm very happy. Yes. All yes. right. And to everybody else out there, thank you so much for listening. We love you guys, and we will see you next, next time. time. Bye. Hey, listeners. If you enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform you get your podcasts. And don't forget to go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP for all your support needs. That's right. And we even have our own website. So go over to ourslevipodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, get that free ebook, and then don't forget to get your merch. And also we're on YouTube guys. So type in our name, hit that bell and hit subscribe. And you're going to see our lovely faces every single Tuesday. So thank you for listening to Our Sleeve Life Podcast, where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time.